thought at that time, social media obviously existed. I mean, there was Facebook, Instagram was starting to get traction a year later, but that's not what I used with social media. I literally researched people, contacted them on LinkedIn, set up calls. Hey, I'm Marquita Harris, work and money editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. On today's episode, I have the lovely Lauren Wesley Wilson in the studio. Lauren is the founder and president of Colorcom, a national platform focused on advancing people of color in the communications industry. For me personally, one of the most inspiring facets of Lauren's story is simply how Colorcom even began, with just a few women of color in a room looking for the opportunity to connect and support one another. While hearing Lauren's story, I couldn't help but recall the survey that I stumbled on late last year. According to the 2018 Women in the Workplace survey from Lenin.org and McKinsey and Company, when it comes to moving up the ladder in the workplace, Black women experience more hurdles and challenges than any other demographic. Are you letting that sink in? The need for us to connect with our colleagues or at least find allyship in the workplace is so real and so necessary, which is why Colorcom is so special, no matter what industry you're in. As for Lauren, she's a natural-born connector and community builder with a knack for bringing people together. So maybe, just maybe, you'll feel inspired to do the same after listening to this episode. Okay, enough from me. Let's get to Lauren. Welcome. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be here. Good. Thank you for coming, you know, yeah. for commuting in because I know that commute can be. From the town to Brooklyn. Look, look now. Sometimes it feels like uh, it feels like you could do a flight in the amount of time that <laughs> it takes to get here. So thank you. Um, let's dig right into it. I like to ask all of my guests this question first. What was your very first job? Like in life? In life, <laughs> yes. Gosh, my very first job was working at Chevy's Mexican Girl okay. in St. Louis, Missouri as a hostess. Okay. Um, How old were you? I was 16. Um, I was kind of greedy because my parents were already giving me an allowance. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I just want my own. Yes. I just want my own side money. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, and then I didn't stop there. I worked, I, I was trying to balance working as a hostess. And then I took up another job that summer as um, working for like, St. Louis Bread Company, but okay. most people know it as Panera Bread. Oh, I yeah. was going to say that St. Louis Bread Company sounded familiar, but because um, it turned into Panera. Yes, right? it's marketed as Panera, but yes. it's headquartered in St. Louis. Okay. And then I was like a camp counselor. So I had like three jobs one summer. Okay. It was really insane. So <laughs> was there anything that you learned from those jobs early on that you think you carry with you still? Um, save your money. Okay. Don't spend that money. But um, in terms of principles, um, yeah, you have to tailor to um, different audiences. Okay. You know, being a hostess is different than being a camp counselor, which is different than <laughs> working at the bread company. I love that you were a camp counselor, though, too. Yes. Because, I mean, I have never, I've never been in a situation, at least while I was younger, where I had to kind of 
be the council or be the leader of a large kind of group of yeah. kit. Like, I would assume that was a challenging kind of a role. Did you learn early on, like, I guess how to bring people together or what was that experience like? Well, I mean, you're right. Well, I never did it again. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay fair, fair, fair. But um, it was it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I think it's just because I loved camp growing up. Love I it. loved being around people. I love building teams, and that's really what camp mm. is. It's about team building, okay. and so that really helped me in all the various roles that I do right now, Got which it. is galvanizing people. <laughs> so, um, as a kid, were you kind of the extrovert? Or yeah, so I was the extrovert. Yeah. I was the only child. Um, I had so many friends. I had very, I was involved in all the clubs and all the groups. And yeah, I just, I just love that. So, um, you attended, correct me if I'm wrong. I like, I like a good fact check. Um, you attended Spelman and Georgetown. Correct. Okay. Um, and you received degrees in political science and communication. Yes. Okay. Okay. Political science from, um, Spelman, Spelman. concentration in international relations. Okay. Um, which is interesting because I actually started off as a psychology major That's and then, um, halfway through decided to change my major and then had a hustle to take all these extra courses and credit to make sure that I graduated on time, which was really just, I was taking like 20 like credits a semester because I just decided like, I'm going to switch my major after like being three credits shy of like getting a psychology degree. So what made, what did it, what made you switch? Um, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a therapist. Like, not that that's the only route to go is therapy, but I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I wanted to at the time, go to law school okay okay yeah interesting and I was actually struggling in my psychology courses actually uh, yeah. that was, which is probably a, a, a good sign that it wasn't maybe the path that you should be taking yeah right? it wasn't because those lean more towards science than anything um and political science leads more towards history which okay. is my strength okay so. oh interesting yeah okay so another fact checked um you worked for the Obama for America um what was it? Um, Obama for America headquarters in Florida. Yes, you're on the right path. Woo. Don't don't doubt Woo. your facts. All right. <laughs> I think it's that background as a journal. Like I love facts and I love getting them right and I love to make sure you know yes. um, that you're being represented accurately. Yes. But um, okay, so you you worked for the Obama for America um, at the Florida campaign headquarters Correct. as a media booker. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. When was this? This was 2012 re-election campaign. Okay. So back then, you know, I graduated Georgetown. I go on to work in corporate communications, traditional agencies, and I can touch along the lines of those, that path. Um, I ended up working on Capitol Hill and um, I have so many stories there. Oh, God, and, um, well, we can dive on in, but then, <laughs> but then I get hired to work um, for Obama re-election campaign as a media booker, okay. and um, it, it was just it was a really great move. What was that experience like? Um, do you twelve-hour like- day sitting at your seat? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, you ask, you want to quickly sneak out for lunch, and they're like, "Where are you going? We got pizza right here. Sit back down." <laughs> Like, I, I can't eat pizza it. four days in a row. I, I want a salad. I want to live long. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're, you, it was a lot of pressure. I mean, you are, my responsibilities were to book five media hits a day Ooh. in the state of Florida. So it could be radio, it could be television, and it was five a day. My first day getting there, I booked like 
three and I thought I was doing something. I didn't know the goal. So I was like, I booked three hits today. Like I hustled. I like, I got these surrogates, these third party influencers, these celebrities. Like I'm feeling good. Like this is amazing. I've never done this in real life. Three in one day. And then my boss was like, no, that's not the goal. The goal is five or more. And you need to sit back down until you do that. Like, oh, I can't go home at eight. And um, it was a lot of like working with headquarters um, with the Chicago team. And, you know, I formed some really great relationships through that process. What did you learn about yourself working in that kind of an environment? That everything can get done. It has to. Yeah. Like there's um, there's no can't. It just will get done. Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know. why let's get into ColorCom. Sure. So why was ColorCom founded? And also how did you get to even, you know, what is it from the Obama from that job to what you're doing now? I want to tell me, I want to know all about ColorCom. So ColorCom was founded. I was working at an agency, an advertising public affairs firm in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I was in my mid-20s and I didn't see Um, any vice president of color in leadership where I worked. So I was wondering, so at that time, you're in your 20s, in that environment, your goal is to be like vice president by 30. No, the really rising stars are like VPs by 30. um, And they have to get promoted every year. And so most of those people are white. Mm -hmm. And so when you look around, you're saying, okay, my goal is to be VP by 30. But I don't see any like black women or black men as VPs. I don't see any like Latino women. I don't see any Asian women. I don't see any person of color um, as VPs or above. This is just kind of, is this just reserved for white women and men? Or how can I get there if I don't see people who look like me? And so I would have a number of coffees in D.C. I was really ambitious, and I was always asking for advice. I was always asking for how do I get ahead. And really what I learned is, um, you know, what I was really seeking at the time was where are all the other people of color in my industry? Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be the only one who does communications. I mean, so many of my friends were lawyers and accountants and doctors. They weren't in communication. So I couldn't go to them on how was I going to advance. And so one day I had this idea. Um, I partnered on with this woman at the time and I'd said, you know, let's put our networks together and throw this lunch and I want to call it ColorCom. And I want to bring people together in the industry to learn from one another. I want to have someone who is in media. We had a vice president of BET at the, t- BET at the time okay. come and speak. But more importantly, I want to get to know the people in the room because you go to networking events and you are so focused on the the guest speaker, the keynote speaker, you miss out. Yeah, but you're networking wrong. What you do is you line up to meet those speakers. You line up to get their contact information and you're missing out on your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, the person behind you. Look at all those people you missed out on. You didn't get contact information from because Mm. you're so focused on the keynote speaker. So and you assume those people who are speaking, the panelists are the highest level people in the room. Okay. And that's not necessarily the case all the time. Yeah. So we created this luncheon series and this, we had all levels in the this room. This was around 2011? This was 2011. Okay. okay. Um, ColorCom was born. We had this luncheon in Washington, D.C. Okay. We brought together about 30 to 40 women. Okay. We had a keynote speaker and we threw out this question of what do you need? So everyone would go around the room and share what their need was mm. so that networking was more so structured in a mutually beneficial way, not so much coming to the table saying, I need 
and my next job. Yeah. But like, how can what you do what, be- what do you what are the need? skills yeah, that you need to, to get? Yeah, job. exactly. Not yeah. just I'm a, a junior level person. Give me a job. <laughs> no, no, nobody <laughs> wants to be approached that way. Yeah. Um, and it was very interesting to put, pull that many people was shocking to me because at the time I knew like two other people. And the person I worked with at the time, she knew like five people. And this thing became viral. Women who were like, were like, I'm trying to get into this luncheon. Can you help me? I mean, it just became such a huge um, experience. How did you, so you get, you have this group of, like you said, 30 to 40 women. How did you connect with those women in the very beginning? What do you mean by that? Well, like what, um, did you... Like, how did you get all of those women into a room? I think there's a lot of, for context, um, I've spoken to a lot of women who they wanted, they have these amazing ideas and they want to, you know, get women together. And, mm-hmm. but it's so much of them, they don't know what it takes to do that from, I guess, in the very beginning. Yeah. It was grassroots. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. There was, but at that time, social media obviously existed. I mean, there was mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram was starting to get traction a year later, but that's not what I used with social media. I literally, researched people contacted them on linkedin set up calls and that's what i did just to get a portion of people there and then they forwarded it on to their friends and then it became more of a viral word of mouth sharing with various networks but you have to do the homework you have to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and really it was calling each person setting up calls reaching out sending them what this information was and it really appealed to a specific demographic and I love how what you did is pretty much what should be done in the first place it's yeah um I have an um an intern who I'm working with right now and um we were talking about like oh you know just reach out and she's like like old school like on the phone I'm like yeah girl yeah. <laughs> like on the phone old like just school. pick up the phone and you know so many people don't do it now yeah. and what I learned too when you're starting out when you're starting something don't wait for wait for people to come to you you go to the people you go to the people yeah um so you have this wildly maybe i'm i think wildly successful it is successful (laughs) like this first you know (laughs) this first um this first luncheon but um in the beginning how much did it take a lot of money to be able to do something like that from the beginning stages how like was there did you have additional support or how did that work? Um, I think it, do- it doesn't take a lot of money. And one yeah. of the things that's the biggest misconception about starting a business is people think they have to have so much money. Just, oh, my gosh, I can't start a business. I need to have $10,000 before I start a business. You know, I would I would just encourage anyone to just start. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out the process along the way. And you have to start somewhere. And so for me, I was working at that time when Colorcom really started to get off the ground. I was working on Capitol Hill. And one of the things that I would do every Friday, because um, in Fridays in the summertime, we were in recess on Capitol Hill. And I would go to this small business coaching called SCORE, and it's free. And I would come up with my ideas, my business plan, and these consultants who were donating their time, um, who had worked in corporate America, would look at my business plan and challenge it all mm. the time. And I would do this every Friday. I would commit to this. And they would say, you know, how are you going to make money? What is your revenue model? You can't just do luncheons all day. Mm. And we would go back to the drawing board. And I would say, well, this is going to be appealing. They challenge me on my price point. This is too much or this is too low. What are your goals? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is so much pressure. But it's some something that you needed in order to su- to succeed and be able to create a strategic plan. Um, 
So that's what I would encourage. But yes, it, it costs money. We um we did a, our big launch party in July 2012. I did have one of my um one of my mentors, you know, write me a check. Got it. And okay. it wasn't a sponsorship. It was out of her own personal dollars, and Got I'm it. so grateful for her. Um, I use my own money too to um you know to offset expenses. We we brought in revenue from those luncheons and we put it back into the business. Got so it. think about those things. Don't just put it into yourself. Put it back into the business. Um, I love to ask um, the women on here too who are entrepreneurs and who you know they're self starters. They've launched these things. And um, if you don't mind, um, can you share how much money of your own that you invest that you use to invest in it in the beginning? Gosh, I have to think about that. I know it's kind of hard to, yeah, which I do understand. Okay, fine. It does does (laughs) cost money. A rough estimate. When I first said, oh, it doesn't cost money, I'm like, okay. A a rough estimate. (sighs) Probably ten to 12,000, but it wasn't like, I don't want to scare people. Yeah, it's not a lump sum. I mean, collectively. Collectively. um, We had to do our launch party. I needed to hire an attorney. Um, One of the big transitions for the company, first of all, I started off, doing luncheons. We we were on to something when people said, I want more than just a lunch. I want to be able to have a board. I want monthly programming. Mm. How do I connect with this community? So that's when decided to change this luncheon series to a membership-driven organization with paid dues, monthly programming, and a service that we're now offering people. So with that, you needed to hire an attorney and accountant yeah. because now you're driving revenue into the business and who's going to manage the books. Yep. So now you have to pay an accountant. Got to be legit. Got to be legit. <laughs> then now you need to hire a lawyer because you need to start trademarking your name. Mm-hmm. You need to set up legal documents. Um, and then, and, and that costs money. Got it. Okay. So you hire the services for what you need. And when it start just getting a lawyer and just start getting an accountant, the accountant's going to say, if you don't have money coming in, you're wasting my time. This is something yeah. you can do on your own. Got it. But when okay. you're starting to bring in more than hundreds of thousands of dollars, you need an accountant to manage the funds. Okay. Next question. When did it become profitable? Was it like out of the, after the first luncheon or ultimately? I mean, it was immediately profitable yeah. when we, um, Okay, I'm sorry. I cut you off after the first no, luncheon. Okay. I mean, yeah, we were making a profit. That's amazing yeah. because so many businesses aren't in the very beginning. Well, yeah. A lot of, depending on the, of course, depending on the industry. But yeah. I think that's like, that really speaks to the fact that you have, you clearly have something that's really special and really unique. Um, yeah. And also the fact that you bring so many people together. I think it was something like 40,000 women. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have a community of more than 40,000 women. That's not necessarily our membership base, but it's a community meaning that you might not be a member, but you are somehow tapped in. You've gone to one of our events. You've gone to our, one of our Mm -hmm. conferences, you are staying connected to the community. You're on our jobs board. We're reaching you. And that's what I mean when we say we have a community of more than 40,000 people. So with this big community, I would imagine that very booked and busy all the time (laughs) how do you take care of yourself how are you unwinding how are you taking like how are you keeping a hold of all that yeah I mean I think the biggest thing to do is you have to stay and stick to a routine and Mm -hmm. I mean that's so important and you're not working around the clock that's why you have an we have an office we're in Flatiron I mean we our offices are nine to six I mean we have a small staff 
And that's, I mean, that's really important is shutting it off just like you would any other job and making sure that you create time with your friends and with your family and, um, you know, get a massage every now and then okay. go to your regular appointments. I mean, I treat ColorCom um, as if I'm working for any other big job in an, an executive vice president role type thing. It, it, it does require a lot of my attention, but I'm not going to sit up here and spend Saturdays and Sundays working on it because that's okay. not a good use of time. And that's not also a good use of taking care of yourself. Yeah. You know, we have busy seasons when I know when our busy seasons are and I know when it requires the extra time. Mm. But then I, I know on a day to day basis, it doesn't require me um burning myself out 24 yeah. 7 have you ever experienced burnout personally oh of course i've had breakdowns in the street i've had <laughs> crying yeah. meltdowns i mean of, of, yeah. absolutely i mean i think one of my biggest burnout years was probably 2016 we okay. were growing so fast and we had transitioned um so much and um and when you say transitioned like in terms of just growth um, in terms of growth, I mean, just sharing, I'll just give you a broad scope of where we are today. The business is called ColorCom Incorporate. Mm -hmm. We have a number of platforms under that. First is our ColorCom Network. We're in nine U.S. cities as a professional me membership organization. We produce monthly program nine times a month. I love Nine programs. I love, like, I love, like, <laughs> I'm staring at you just like, boom, boom, boom. I, I love mean, it. Yeah. And we're also in London. <laughs> yes. And so we produce quarterly programming in London right now. Okay. In all, every city has a team that manages and produces those programs. Lauren Wilson, me right here, does not <laughs> plan the program in your city. Yeah. And I have to say that because I get so many questions and, and people just don't know, so yeah. I can't get upset with them. But people ask me all the time about events and about programming and, you know, and about speakers. And it's like, honey, I haven't been to an event in three years, yeah. except for last night in New York. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then we do that. And then we also have the ColorCom Executive Conference where we bring together 500 executive leaders from across the country for a three-day business retreat at the Ritz-Carlton in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. That has over 30 brand partners from Coca-Cola to AT&T to Viacom to um, Google to Facebook to Twitter, um, Oracle. We have so many partners there. And then we also do um, the Men of Color community. And um, we do a fellows program and then a next generation conference. So all of this is a recipe for, especially when you were transitioning and yes. going through that. I get it. It's a yes. recipe for some serious burnout. Absolutely. Because yeah. it didn't all ha happen at once. Every year we added more cities. Mm -hmm. um, and then we recently added our next generation summit which will be in October at Chelsea Piers, and then our Men of Color community. We've done a summit last year. We have programming going on in the Men of Color space. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So I want to get back. I want to get back to your burnout because this is something that happens. Um, I've spoken to a lot of women recently, and um, I'm always looking at studies. So many of us, um, we work through burnout by kind of continuing to work if that makes sense yeah. like and it doesn't really resolve anything um was there anything that you learned not just about yourself but about um the state of the business of uh, the growth the, how did you deal with that and what did you kind of glean from that situation well you can't do it all and you shouldn't even want to do it all and I know sometimes it's faster to do it all it's faster to say you know what? I'll do that they don't know what they're talking about yeah. it's easier for me just to do it it's not you'll add two more hours to your plate Delegate, 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 hire and delegate. Mm. You know, really, when you're in the position of being a CEO, you really need to only be doing the essential, the essential things, Got it. meaning that 
no one else can do it but you. And for me, um, one of the things that are essential is I do business development, fundraising, and sponsorship. Now, other people can do it, but there are certain partners that no one could talk to but me. Mm. But you have to really really manage and see what your time is and invest in hiring other people because it it shouldn't just be a party of one especially when you have um real money coming in you can't just do it yourself fair 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 (laughs) um so i love to ask everyone who comes on um two questions how would you define unbossed and also tell me about a woman who they can be dead um, or alive about a woman who is unbossed to you, who just inspires you. I think unbossed really means um, someone who is, you know, unapologetic, which is a phrase we hear often, but someone who is really just, you know, really focused, smart, savvy, not worried about the competition, um, stays in their lane and finds ways to. Be successful, but bring other people with them at the same time, knowing that you can't do it all by yourself, but someone who is just really dedicated to making a difference. Okay. And as far as you're somebody who embodies all of those qualities, that's not Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) No shade to anyone who's ever come on here and said Beyonce, because I I love Beyonce. I love Bee. Actually, you know what? Let me challenge you. Let me take it a step further. Tell me about someone who other women should know about who kind of has these qualities. Because oh, I think- the first question was easier because I wasn't going to point to Beyonce. <laughs> Throwing you I, a, I didn't have. That's all right. Take a second. Think, um, because I think, too, a lot of times um, it is a default for us to, like, we think of, there's so many women who Well, I was going to say my mother, running. actually. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was going to point, and I, it's a cliche to bring up parents, but the reason why I was going to point know. to her is because she is really the reason why I've grown so much because her background comes out of advertising. Mm. So she knows this business. And so as someone who has been like a mentor, a friend, someone who knows how to navigate the tough waters of P&Ls and business development, which are the, the hot seats that I'm in, I'm past planning and programming events, but really the pressure of, um, you know, making rev like driving revenue into your companies making payroll i mean those are real life pressures that you that you face um so i that was someone i was going to point to as an example what's your mom's name (laughs) okay it could could just be mom we'll we'll stick to mom okay that's all right that's all right thanks mom (laughs) um lastly where can everyone learn more about ColorCom? and i know you do have an event coming up soon that sounds pretty amazing um where can we learn more about all of this? Colorcomnetwork.com <laughs> for the membership organization. Okay. Colorcomconference.com for the conference. Um, our conference is July 24th through the 26th yes. at the Ritz-Carlton. Hope to see you there. We are sold out. We are really, 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 really sold out. Want, want. So you guys are going to have to catch recaps and reviews and plan ahead next year. You are. <laughs> if you uh, haven't gotten your ticket already. I, so. know, I, I don't know if I should share this <laughs> online, but I'm actually working through a reverse marketing strategy. What is we that? Haven't, which is we haven't formally announced we're sold out, but we are. And the reason why we haven't formally announced is because the moment you do... 100 people will send you an email trying to get in. Oh, yeah. And you'll have to yeah. accommodate like 40 of those 100. 
And by keeping it open, I'm just like seeing only a sprinkle. And then that actually makes me, I feel like that's a better use of my time <laughs> than having to respond back to emails. That, so I'm just like, I think you just like, this, you just gave it like a hack for anybody who, you know, puts on these big events who probably Keep it deals, open. Yeah, they deal with both, the same issue, I'm sure. And both things are going to happen whether you tell people <laughs> or it's open, but the, but your time is spent better. It's been like not running around. Email me at umboss at essence.com. Tell me about a woman in your life who inspires you to be embossed. Or if you don't want to email, comment on social media using the hashtag umbosspodcast. And please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Say nice things. Say constructive things, please. Okay. See you guys later.